Bum ba ba bum bum ba ba bum. And now from the bone vault with Gil and Levi. Welcome to From the Bone Vault, coming to you live from below Midnight Lair. I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And this is From the Bone Vault, the companion podcast to Midnight Lair. Uh, on this, we're going to cover uh, all things tangentially related to the ooky, the spooky, and the kooky. Uh, tonight, our subject matter is going to be one of the most fun shows to come out of the 50s and 60s, The Monsters. Yeah. Um, so, the... First episode aired uh, many moons ago. Uh, I believe it was 1964. Um, we chose this show because it ca- encapsulates both the kooky nature of the Midnight Layer show itself, uh, complete with laugh track, and it also it captures uh, just a lot of fun from our childhood. Um, we have uh, a lot of uh, different things we're going to throw at you tonight. Uh, with our uh, discussion of this. And uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, give Levi a second. He's going to give you a, a rundown of the show itself, a little bit of history there. All right. Uh, the Munsters was a sitcom about a family who lived in suburbia, but they happened to be monsters. And the way that the Munsters came about was ABC, I believe, started production on the Adams family and in response to this universal thought hey we need to make a monster tv show and the thing about universal is that they had access to the actual monster makeup from the universal monsters and one of the reasons monsters were so popular at the time was because the old universal movies had been playing on tv in uh syndication they had been made available to tv so they took the makeup what's that the shock package That actually had uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, all those things. Right. And so Universal and CBS came up with the Munsters. And to start off, they hired Fred Gwynn and Al Davis, who were a comedy duo from Car 54, Where Are You? And they were both very physical and very funny guys. So they add a lot to the show as Herman and Grandpa. (laughs) And the show ran for two seasons. For I think it was 72 episodes. I saw 70 somewhere in 72. Okay. 72 episodes. Some people count the pilot. Some people don't. Okay. And I guess that's something we can mention now. You want to tell them what happened with the pilot? Yeah. When they originally aired the show, they actually did it in full Technicolor. And the second episode of what we call the Munsters, the nice black and white show, was actually a reshoot of that pilot. They had the original uh, casting they had for their Lily character was actually a completely different name. And they actually had another actor playing uh, Eddie as well. He was a real mean-spirited little kid. Uh, if you get the chance to check out this pilot, it's several places on YouTube. It's a I lot of like fun I like the other watch. Eddie, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, kinda, I thought he was mean. I thought he was really creepy in a good way. Like he, there's a scene where he's sitting up on like a shelf and he's looking down at, I think it's Lily and he's like sneering at her and kind of growling. And he, he, his makeup was a little different. He had like 
yep. like animal teeth, and he just looked like he would grab someone and gnaw on their arm or something. Uh, I kind of liked it. He was much more feral. And then in, in the pilot, you actually see Grandpa cast his hand out at him, and th- it looks like they threw fireworks at this kid. So I imagine if if being in wolf makeup on a scary set didn't sh- scar him for life, having <laughs> fireworks thrown at you probably did it. Yeah, I'm sure OSHA wasn't as active back then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that gives you a little background on the, sh- on the show itself where it started. Um, Levi, give me a little bit about your experience with the show when you were a kid. I mean, you, you watched this on what, like Dick at Night, TV Land, that kind of thing? I actually don't have a whole lot of experience with it. I'd seen clips of it here and there, but I did talk to my wife. She watched a lot of sitcoms, and she said she really loved this show, and one of the things she liked the most about it was Herman's laugh, his big, <laughs> huge laugh. Gwen, and Gwen could just pull that off. I mean, his his laugh, from what I understand, was like just infectious with Yeah, I can't there. imagine that it wasn't, right. And he he has such well I'll mention this when we get to later in the show but he has kind of a rubber face he has those comedy moments where he's just twisting his mouth around and his eyes are going everywhere and he's really good with the physical comedy and Al played a really great straight man against yes. him he just sort of stood there and took it and rolled his eyes and uh so anyway I don't personally have a lot of experience but she said she always enjoyed it and she said that uh her parents called her Eddie because she has a widow's peak as well so um <laughs> but anyway we we actually started playing it my son was playing in the room he's about 2 years old and he loves TV theme shows anytime we watch a, a show he perks up whether it's Mad Men or any any TV theme show. So this one, he loved it. He just stared up at the screen and he actually watched the episode. He doesn't sit and watch, you know, sitcoms a lot, but he actually sat and watched and he was kind of smiling at Herman acting crazy. So I think he liked it. So maybe he'll grow up with it. Hey, if we make a monster kid out of him early, I'm more than happy. Trust me, I'm working on my little one as well. <laughs> so, so what kind of experience do you have? Well, for me, it was, uh, I grew up with Nick at Night and with, uh, TV Land and other, other stations like that. And these, these old, old shows like, uh, other things of that time, like Green Acres, Get Smart, were really mainstays in my house. Uh, my parents had a lot of old school sentimentality about themselves and, uh, absolutely loved the monsters. Um, something we're going to cover in another episode, but my, uh, my family's um, maiden name on my mother's side is actually Adams. So the nice. Adams family and other little spooky stuff like this really hit the nail on the head for us. And we just enjoyed it. And yeah, I've got to agree. Herman Munster's laugh is just the best. <laughs> so For sure. I, th- I think with that, we'll go ahead and uh, get into our first episode. For our first episode, we're going to tackle Munster Masquerade, which is episode one of season one of The Munsters. It aired September 24th, 1964, wherein Marilyn's new beau, Tom, convinces his parents to invite the Munsters over for their masquerade party. And while they're gone, Mrs. Morton comes over to take care of Eddie. So, like I said, the episode starts out with Marilyn and her new boyfriend, um, I gotta say, that guy is like the wolf from Acme cartoons. This dude goes <laughs> at her like a dog on a bone. I was shocked yes. at how forward that guy was. And the, the shutters give him a little slap on the hand because he's acting so fresh. <laughs> the house, it, yeah, the house itself said, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not doing this to Marilyn. Uh-uh. And, uh, Herman's peeking out through the window, sort of unsure about this guy. Right. 
And he makes his way back over to Lily, who is doing needlepoint. I mean, were, were yes. housewives actually doing needlepoint at that at that time, or was this? Because I mean, the show itself was made by the same guys that did Leave It to Beaver, who had that sure. that fifties aesthetic down. But it just seemed like I mean, that was a little over the top. I mean, I know it. She was doing a spider on it. Right. I think that's something they mentioned in the documentary. And if we mentioned a documentary to those listening, there's a great documentary on YouTube. I don't know if you mentioned it before, but if you just no. search Munster's documentary, it's it's a pretty good like 45-minute documentary. And they talked about how the shtick of the show is that they are these monsters, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, but they're very normal I think that juxtaposed against their makeup and the state of their house is just adds a layer of comedy that you wouldn't get in a regular sitcom because some of these premises are silly sitcom premises that have been done before, but adding that layer to it just makes it all that more entertaining. Right. And, and, and increases the sense of normality there where it's just, Hey, they're your, they're your average American group. (laughs) Lily happens to drink blood. Right. Exactly. And, uh, jokes about being normal abound and, this oh, scene yeah. is a great example of that. They talk about, oh, it's great that Marilyn can find someone looking the way she does. And the joke <laughs> is that she's beautiful and blonde and she was named after Marilyn Monroe, the the character. And right. she, they kind of tried to model her after her. And that's the joke that she is this hideous, ugly duckling of the family because she doesn't look like a monster. So after after they, um, the, you know, the little uh, bit where they're talking back and forth, it jumps right into that season one opening. Yes. Um, you know, centered in on Yvonne DiCarlo and mm-hmm. uh, everybody coming through. So why – this is what baffled me. I made a quick note of this. Why does Grandpa try to bite Lily's hand? Did that seem I weird think, to you? I know. I, I just think he can't control himself and he's just – I know that's her dad, but I think he's just – once he sees the wrist of a beautiful woman – we'll get to that later in this episode a couple times too. But <laughs> right. when he sees that wrist, he is gone. He's <laughs> – gonzo and she she she's actually i think every time the one that snaps him out of it so i don't know what would happen if she wasn't around maybe that's maybe his daughter is what keeps him from just ripping out throats and (laughs) veins of women all the time i don't know this turning into a showtime television show (laughs) yeah right truest blood so yeah going through the the rest of the opening sequence there though um you know you get uh eddie coming down and getting a little pinch on the cheek marilyn stepping Mm -hmm. out and then the the trap door opens up and this is (laughs) pre-introduction of spot and then here comes here comes herman just romp 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 right up the steps Mm -hmm. and out all serious all serious gives her a peck on the cheek and then gets that big goofy fred quinn smile on his face yes his face just turns to like I don't even know what, just putty and he just spins it around in a tie dye machine and it just Oh, it's awesome. He goes crazy and walks off with his little goofy grin. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh where where does it go from there? I mean we we step into the, the next scene of the, the episode. Yeah, we move on to uh Tom talking to his parents, uh Agnes and I have the guy's name here. Agnes and Albert. That's weird. But um Tom's talking to Agnes and Albert and he's they're talking about inviting the Munsters to their masquerade ball masquerade party. Right. And the mom is sort of really snobbish about it. And she says something about, she doesn't want their name on the guest list because she doesn't want people to see it. So I guess the name Munsters is very gauche to this lady. Oh, she actually makes the comment. Uh, uh, I don't want them to misspell Munsters to monsters to laugh track. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I kind of glazed over that. I guess I didn't catch oh, that. That's it, funny. It's those little, those little jabs. 
Tom, dear. Your father and I will be happy to invite your little girlfriend to the masquerade party, but really now... Now, now, the whole family. I mean, just who are the monsters? Mother, they are simply her aunt and uncle. And if they're anything like Marilyn, I'm sure they're lovely, charming people. All right. But I do so hope the society columns won't misspell the monster's name on the guest list. I'd hate to have my friends read that we'd entertained a couple of monsters. So, did you, did you catch the part where when he's talking to his dad and he's trying to tell him, Hey, Dad, thanks for talking to Mom. And he mm-hmm. gets this, uh, <laughs> he says, You know how it is. And his dad, deadpan, goes, Son, I haven't known how it is in years. I mean, yes. How- I wrote in my notes, that's the dads don't know stuff joke. Which <laughs> comes back repeatedly with Herman as well yes. in different episodes. But that, I mean, that's a... That's one thing I love about sitcoms. They have a shtick that they stick to, and that's what I like about, you know, I like the laugh tracks, and I like that they sort of come back to those points in shows, and that's one thing The Munsters does really well, and it mixes it with that ooky spooky atmosphere. Right. And so we're, we then move to The Munsters. They've received the invitation. Um, so it turns out that grandpa is not specifically invited and <laughs> I love this. He alludes to his magic powers and he says he'll make himself into chopped liver and make his way into hors d'oeuvres, which I think is hilarious because they're treating him like chopped liver because they're not inviting him. And I thought that was a really good subtle flip of a joke that they put in there. For and so he pouts and stomps his feet and Lily finally calls Miss Daly to ask if she can invite him. You know, for it being for it being a show of that that '50s '60s era, that was one of the things that got me cracking up. Is is that, and maybe it's it's you and I being dads now, but that quote unquote dad level humor just yes. cracked me up. The second he said, "I'll show up in the hors d'oeuvres," I about fell out yes. of my chair. <laughs> they didn't invite me. Why, I've never been so insulted since the day I died. <laughs> and besides. As Marilyn's grandfather, I should be there. But, Grandpa, we don't even know Mr. and Mrs. Daly. We can't just take you along. If I don't get to go, I'll use my magic powers. I'll turn myself into chopped liver and show up in the orders. Now, Grandpa, will you calm down? I won't. I won't. I won't. If I don't get to go, I'll sit here and hold my breath till the color comes back in my cheeks. You're being a big spoiled baby. Well, I suppose I could ask the Dalys to invite him. It's better than having him come as chopped liver. I love a lot of Al's jokes like that because, like you said, it's dad humor. And I've always liked dad humor even yes. before I was a dad. So now I'm a dad and I have an excuse. So it's exactly. great. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, we cut back to Miss Daly, the snobby snobber head. And she hangs up the phone and she's like, well, I guess they can invite this grandpa fella. And there was a funny transition here where she says the only thing worse that could happen is if it rains the day of the party. And so you cut to 1313 Mockingbird Lane with rain coming down. Right. Not just a little, a lot. Yeah, a lot. And Eddie's looking out the window. He's helping Marilyn get ready for the party. And she's dressed as Priscilla. I had to look this up. She said Priscilla. I don't know if you... No, no, I further into that. no, 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 I didn't. I didn't catch that. What, what, what was the background on that? She said Priscilla, and my immediate thought when I hear Priscilla is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> but I was like, that's there's no way that's the Priscilla she's dressed as. In- invoking so visions of I, Patrick Swayze. Uh. <laughs> exactly. So throughout the, uh, the episode, I did a little more research, and apparently it's Priscilla Alden and Tom dressed up as her husband. These were just 
some early pilgrims. Okay. Nothing really interesting, but History I thought class. it was kind of cool. History yeah. class kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but anyway, Mrs. Morton comes over, one of Marilyn's friend's moms, to look after Eddie. And then Herman comes into the room as King Arthur in this great full suit of armor with this, like, cylindrical helmet big trash that just looks like a helmet yeah yes it's like a 50 gallon drum with just a slit cut across the top i don't even know if fred gwynn can see anything from that i don't think he could probably no there had to have been somebody on the side giving him set directions like fred <laughs> five steps forward and stop clink yeah i noticed he didn't move a whole lot he kind of walks into the room for every shot that he's in this and wobbles around but he doesn't really do much and uh, he puts the helmet back, and Lily comes in and is little Bo Peep, and he makes a joke about her looking hideous, and <laughs> she looks like she just stepped off that uh, lamp in Toy Story. You know, she just looks like Peep from Toy Story. If you haven't seen the episode, that's exactly what she looked like to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got to agree. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> she <laughs> She's does. got the little curl, the really long curls, the tight curls. And there's a great joke in here that I caught the second time. I didn't catch the first time I watched it, but um, there's a cuckoo clock that Eddie goes up to when uh, I think Lily tells him to go upstairs or something. Right. And he goes up to the cuckoo clock and a raven sticks out. Uh, at the sound of the tone, the time is 8.09. Nevermore. Why don't you pipe down? Pipe down! <laughs> Which I, I love that they have a raven instead of a cuckoo bird. That's awesome. Again, it's those and little then, touches. Those little yes, touches. Yes, exactly. And it adds just every little bit to the atmosphere. Then we have Tom coming in. He's dressed as John Alden. That's Priscilla's husband. And it, he says a funny line. Uh, he says, it's only raining on this block. Right. And I love that. I actually didn't and, catch that till my rewatch. And I, I, again, <laughs> another one of those almost fell out. I'm like, really, guys? And then sure know, enough, this here stuff, comes the laugh track. Yes. It, it, like, it's amazing that you can watch this episode twice and get that kind of a joke. There's not a lot of sitcom. I mean, there's tons of sitcoms. And I'm sure there's only the top maybe 10% that would have these jokes that play on the second go through. But uh, anyway, I was kind of wondering what that was about. Like if it was something that Grandpa did, maybe one of his potions fell over downstairs and it I caused a rainstorm. I didn't even think about that. But anyway, we move on. Herman kicks the floor as he does sometimes to get Grandpa to hurry up downstairs. And one one of the sort of running gags in the show is how heavy Herman is. Like when he stomps, oh, there's always the a camera. huge... yes. There's a huge cut of smoke, and yes, they shake. They actually shake the camera, and I love the sort of sense of weight they give him. And anyway, Grandpa's downstairs drinking a bunch of formulas. He can't get any of them to work right. And we go back up to Lily, and she tells Herman to be gracious when they go to this party, and he says, I'm every inch a gentleman. In fact... Several gentlemen. <laughs> Which is a nice little joke there. It's good. And they, they when they make these jokes, it's like I, I would love to have been sitting around the round table when they were spitballing these things back and forth. Yeah. And them actually having this I could just envision this board where they've got all these different things where they're like, mm -hmm. Okay, Frankenstein's made of parts and he's got bolts in his neck and lightning is a thing and they're kicking these ideas. I would mm -hmm. love to have heard that. Yeah. And I wonder if they had some sort of little Bible type thing where they just had some headings of like, you know, lightning for Herman and bats for grandpa. And right. it's fun to kind of mix that stuff up. Uh, but back to the show, the dailies are getting ready. That's Tom's family. 
Oh. And they reveal Tom. You want to tell the audience what uh, oh. his dad is dressed as? His, his the the Miss uh, Mrs. Daly comes around the corner saying, "Now you know when these when these monsters show up, I don't want you embarrassing us or doing anything to upset them." And he goes, "No, honey, sure, sure, it's fine." Sure enough, the dad is dressed up head to toe exactly like Frankenstein's monster, almost identical to Herman himself. And the, uh, you hear the laugh track come up, like the audience knows. Yeah, this is about to get funny because he looks <laughs> identical to Herman Bolts and everything. I I just love that, and it's funny because he's he's Frankenstein, but he's also kind of short and he's not built right. like he needs to be to be. It, it's it, it's just kind of a bad Frankenstein getup, right? And it it looks like I mean the wig looks too oversized, and it just yeah, oh, it's it was great. It was a great visual gag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we move on. I'm going to try to move a little faster. Oh, sure. Mrs. Morton comes in to babysit, and I don't think she knows what she's in for, but Grandpa comes out of the cellar as Napoleon and makes a <laughs> joke about mixing De Gaulle and Marlon Brando, which was pretty funny. That was pretty good one. She, Let's see, Lily. She oh, just didn't. I was going to say, Miss Morton, one of the notes I had is as she bumbled through the house to the remainder of the episode, she interacted and seemed a little like, huh, that's weird. Huh, that's weird. But she never really seemed like she was scared ever. She just kind of yeah. took it in stride and went, meh, and, and moved on. And I wonder if she's sort of presented as a counterpoint to Mrs. Daly because Mrs. Daly is the opposite of that. She reacts to even the smallest things that aren't even weird. Right. I mean, we may get to that later, but I think she, that Mrs. Morton is a cool counterpart because she, yeah, she's sort of unflappable in this weird house and everything that she comes up against. Um, but anyway, Lily introduces Herman and she introduces her father as the Count. And once again, <laughs> the Count goes directly for that vein right in the wrist. And she says, no, no, don't do that. And uh, uh, Lily tells Mrs. Morton not to let Spot or Spotty in because last time he ate the, ate sofa, the sofa and Mrs. Morton goes, uh, wait, what? <laughs> she has a look on her face like, did you just say that? <laughs> Surely and, you're kidding. Yeah. And this brings up uh, one of the cool gags I like about the show is that they talk about Spot a lot off screen. Well, they talk about him on screen and don't show him that much. And I love it because you just sort of try to imagine. They actually show him sometimes, but I kind of like when they don't show him so that you can sort of imagine what the heck they have down there. Exactly. And I mean, in late, you know, later on in the episode, we'll, 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 we'll probably get to that point, but you, you get to see this massive shadow come moving across the screen. Yes. And again, with the laugh track bed. Um, love it. But it's just, it was great. It was a great visual <laughs> gag. And real quick, we have the monsters arrive at the party and grandpa tries to bite lady daly's wrist again and lily has <laughs> to bop him with her staff <laughs> i didn't know if it was herman or her that thwacked him with the staff because you just it was see her because she was holding a staff right you just see this, it come out from all screen staff, and yeah. thwack hits him right in the shoulder <laughs> it was a good sight gag and uh then we go back to mrs morton who finds a little black cat on the couch that uh looks at her and roars like a lion <laughs> and all of a sudden this phone's ringing She's bumbling around trying to find this phone and all the cobwebs, and she makes all these great expressions. And then Eddie is on there talking, I don't know, like he's on a ham radio or something. He's like, come in, Miss Morton. Come in, Miss Morton. Yeah, after and he wants nothing. Per- yeah. I was like, why is he doing this, and why did they use the phone? But whatever. Um, he wants to skip his bath because they're out of scalding water. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Uh, oh, the, there was a cool moment where she brushes the harp as she walks by. 
and then she walked off and it played back at her and then they cut to the cat roaring and the raven kicks out of the uh, clock and says nevermore you cat fink <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay well that was fun well i mean and we we brought that up you know a little earlier when the house actually slapped tom's hand it's almost yeah. like the home itself is its own character for with sure all these yeah. different little parts and pieces and it's great how they interact with it mm-hmm and let's see, we go back to the party and Grandpa helps Herman have a drink by pouring it down his suit. <laughs> and as Grandpa walks away, he sort of kicks his leg to let it run down his leg, which was pretty funny. And Grandpa's dancing with Miss Daly, telling him he has 167 wives. They're all dead, but he visits them often. And this is one of those points where Miss Daly just looks really upset, which, yeah, it's an odd thing to say, but come on lady whatever well it, maybe he's playing the part you know and, and it kicks off that that series of events that goes to the rest of the party of them just mm-hmm. completely misunderstanding the things that the monsters do we're just not getting yes it. right and that's sort of the the joke throughout the rest is that miss daly is just taking any little thing she can to make these monsters seem like monsters and they're just acting like normal people at a party and having that cocktail conversation right and uh Let's see. Herman meets Mr. Daly and a Mrs. Hanson. I don't know why she's sitting there, but um, it's Herman says to him, it's a shame you couldn't find a costume for your own party. And this gets Mr. Daly in a huff. Yeah. And, and the, because the, he just doesn't get it. The, the, and there's, there's your payoff from the previous sight gag of him being yes. dressed as Herman. And his whole thing of, you remind me of somebody familiar. I, I, I just can't place you. It's like, really, right. Herman? Come on. <laughs> he doesn't know what his own face looks like, which <laughs> we might find out in a moment why that is. Oh, right. But, um, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yes. But um, anyway, back at the Munsters, Miss Morton is hearing howling, and she discovers it's Eddie. <laughs> and he says, I always do that when the moon comes up. And then he calls for a spot, and this is when we see that great shadow. It looks kind of like a stegosaurus or something, like a dinosaur with plates on its back. I think at one point they mentioned he's a dragon, but it's kind of fun to think what he actually looks like and what he is. Right. And back at the party, Marilyn is talking to Tom, and she's upset that his parents are being so rude. And meanwhile, Grandpa is talking to Miss Daly, and she asks if he wants an hors d'oeuvre, so he looks down, <laughs> and one of those little burners is there, so he just gets a spoon and scoops out the whatever's burning inside and takes a bite, and he gets one of his signature sight gags, which is smoke coming out of his body so in his mouth. That was a question I had about that, and, and you know, I'd love to go in and just kind of get maybe some of the... Uh, and this goes back to actually Midnight Layer, the show, how they did a lot of these gags at that point. Because you see a lot of when Herman throws his fits, when Grandpa is smoking his cigars or, or mm-hmm. doing something, a lot of this smoke and fog. Do you think the actors themselves got around a lot of this stuff? Because if it was just a fog machine, I could see where maybe there would just be, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a odd smell uh, to right. the person or something. But if it's like actual smoke or dust... I could see where they, these guys would just be coughing their heads off all the time. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's something, uh, it might be some sort of heavier dust so that it settles quicker. I don't know. That's a good question, though. Especially about the smoke from Grandpa, because I know at this point it comes out of his mouth. A lot of times it came out of his ears. Right. I and think, it would a lot set of up hoses like right behind his ears. Right. Because you effect. could tell it wasn't perfect because when he would turn, <laughs> you could see his stream of smoke was coming out of like a place in his neck or something. And then everything had to play on black and white, too. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, back to Mrs. Morton. She slips some milk to Eddie under the door and she tells him to get in bed. 
and he says he already is and we hear this wonderful creak as she walks off <laughs> insinuating she, that he sleeps in a coffin and she just shrugs ah, it's all good we'll just move yeah. on <laughs> i love this lady she's she's great she's the counterpoint to the judgmental mrs daly right um and at the party they're handing out prizes and for best costume and someone champions herman as for his great king arthur armor so he takes off his helmet and they start laughing and saying oh he's wearing one mask under another that's great so he takes this huge bottle of champagne or wine that they give him and lily explains to him they were making fun of you and he looks at the mirror and it quickly broke which i think maybe that's why he doesn't know quite what he looks like because it seems like every time he looks at a mirror it seems to break yeah, I mean, and that's a, that's a continuation of the rest of the show. It's like oh, at least once an episode, Herman breaks a mirror with his face. So right, so maybe he doesn't know what he looks like. <laughs> but uh, okay, uh, they leave the party because of the insults, and they had this weird ending shot of these two idiots dancing. I don't really know what that was about. Oh yeah, that was just weird. Like whatever music they had on did not match what was going on in that scene at that yeah. point. Because they were gyrating like crazy people. Right. Like, one lady looked like she was about to fall over. Yeah. And it was like the last 10 seconds of the scene. Like they storm off and then the last 10 seconds was kind of like a bam, 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 ba, dim, ba, da, ba, you know, like some weird, I don't know what it was. But uh, this took us to our last scene, which is at the Munster Mansion. And they, I don't know if you thought it was odd, but they ha- they center the shot on Herman in his knight costume and he's doing something i just realized maybe he was scratching his back on the post on the stairs but he was moving up and down very oddly and very i didn't know what was happening below i was kind of scared when they zoomed out what was going to be happening (laughs) again remember this show was 1950s 1960s yes these two i think there was a debate for a while whether or not lily and uh herman were the first couple to be seen in the same bed together but i I think that distinction went to a different show but with as popular as this one was that was the theory for the longest time right but yeah it was really weird him bouncing on his and his heels like that right i don't know exactly what he was doing but we zoom out and we see um mrs morton talking to lily and saying oh eddie was fine and you know he was howling at the moon but i would have never known he was there otherwise and uh they talk about tom and how they hope that Marilyn finds someone else that fits a little better right and we go out to the porch and tom and Marilyn are waiting there and he's like hey your lights are out let's go inside your aunt and uncle are gone yeah, Back he, to was, his, he was yeah. so forward. I yes, mean, that was, forward's was, a very kind word. He was such a shark. Like, I'm sitting there, the whole time I was watching, I'm going, wow, this guy is, like, almost rapey? I yeah, mean, I don't I, want to use I, that I word that lightly, vibe. but, yeah. like, ugh. I was thinking that, too. And he was very, almost forceful about going into the house. And I, I know it's played for jokes, but I was kind of uncomfortable and like, hey, Tom, you need to calm down and <laughs> right? respect her wishes. <laughs> and... But anyway, he goes inside and, you know, Marilyn can handle him. So they go inside and he just sort of walks in and turns the light on. And there's Lily and Herman just staring at him. Just sitting and in the dark like yeah, they do. He kind of freaks out for a second. And the funniest thing is the wind sort of blows in. And, you know, you hear about people blowing their hair back. His sort of blows up and forward. And then he just bolts out the door. Yeah, the more freaked out he gets. <laughs> yeah. Lily and Herman just sort of watch him run away. And Lily says, well, with a family like that, how could you have any manners? And I have to agree with her. He he had sort of a weird upbringing with his mom and dad, I think, as far as manners. So 
Yeah, they they seem I like it's best. They seem like those kind of people that just had so much money that nothing applied to them. And exactly, I think that was one of the the kind of more cunning things they did with this show. Is is like you think something in general like the monsters being a little silly, a little slapstick, and being just a sitcom about monsters. But they mm-hmm. actually did some social commentary in there like this. And sure. they're, they're kind of indictment of the upper class a little bit. They're like really yes. poking at them. But they had one of the funny running gags they start with here is this Marilyn's, oh, I'm just so ugly. I ran off another one. It's just hysterical <laughs> how silly yes. it is. And they're just going, sorry, Marilyn. It's like, oh, <laughs> geez, guys, you're killing me. Yeah, it's reminiscent of the the pig episode of the Twilight Zone. Oh, know, right. When the guy wakes up and he he doesn't look like everyone else, and it, it's just a great gag that they use over and over and over. And she's such the ideal of what beauty was then for movies and whatnot. Yeah, both actresses were just beautiful women. Oh yeah, and one funny thing, uh, I think I noticed it in a different episode, but I realized, and of course, it's just the general uh, female vampire. But I realized that Lily reminded me of Magicka Dispel from DuckTales. Oh! I... The evil uh, Ductress, I guess. Yeah, and She yeah, had, like, yeah. the slick back hair. She kind of reminded me of her. That, uh, and that's something else we'll have to cover at some point, is that the there was a DuckTales episode that we'll have to do at some point that was just 100% Halloween characters. It was this big nice. bash. Uh, we'll have to dig that one up. That would be pretty fun. For sure. All right, so I guess that pretty much, unless there's anything else you want to say, that takes care of Monster Masquerade. No, it was a solid first episode. Um, so I, I think we'll move on to uh, the episode that I chose. For my selection on episodes, I chose uh, from Season 2, Episode 22, Zombo. Uh, originally aired February 17th, 1966. Uh, this episode was the where... <laughs> Eddie is actually watching a horror host, somebody that's actually showing uh, either, uh, you know, like we're doing with Midnight Lair. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's actually, from what I saw, though, he didn't host a a show or or uh, he looked like he was just telling stories. Um, Yeah. So the episode opens up. Eddie's sitting there, uh, classic uh, kid watching a TV. If you've ever seen any any 50s sitcom or any uh, art from that era. Uh, yeah, he has his his head in his hands and his elbows on the ground with his feet kicking in the background. But you you've skipped over the best part of the episode though. Oh, I did. I to- I totally did. The open. atmospheric opening with it was Gary Owens announcing. Do was you know that who- Gary Owens? Yes, that was Gary oh. Owens, the announcer in pretty much everything throughout history of time. Uh, he was on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. He even did Garfield and Friends. He has one of my favorite uh, things that he did. There's an episode of Batman the Animated Series called uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. And they have different eras of Batman. And he played the 50s Batman in that. Oh, that's so, so cool. His, yeah, his voice has been on TV for decades and decades. I just wanted I to point that out. No, that's good. That's, I, I had no idea. <laughs> There it is, my friends. The old deserted house. <laughs> they say at night, strange sounds come from this house. Come, let's go closer. Are you afraid? <laughs> you don't believe in ghosts, do you? Hmm? So, 
he comes in with this really strong opening. Like, you know, they do the, the cold open to, to the show now, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to going right into the actual theme. So you have this real atmospheric shot of a, of a mansion and it goes into the house. And then they introduce this character, that stark, crazy white hair, this big hat, these teeth in your face, a nose, a chin, these claws. Well, there's no turning back. You've entered the house of... Sambo! <laughs> and he yells out, Zombo! And it is the most 50s... Normally these guys were on late night, so I don't know where this 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 kid's... TV show host guy came out of nowhere. He was this weird. It looks like this this cobbled between something that would have been on Sesame Street. Uh, <laughs> but oh man, it was it was super weird seeing this character come on, and uh, he just hams it up. He hams it up right there on screen and bounces mm-hmm. around for a little bit. And Eddie is just enraptured by this guy. Eddie is all about Zombo uh, to the to the detriment of poor Herman, who comes in. Uh, at the top of the episode here, doing his normal, hello everybody, I'm home, and comes in to see Eddie, asks for a hug. Eddie is just locked in like kids are. That's His world is that television. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, well, goes back to Zombo, he talks for a minute, comes back to Eddie and uh, Herman, and Herman's like, uh, handshake? <laughs> goes back to Eddie, goes back to Zombo, comes back, how about a look? And Herman, poor Herman, curls up on the floor, gets yeah. in, scooches in front of Eddie, and finally enters his field division. Eddie goes, "Oh, hi, Dad!" <laughs> to which Herman throws one of the first times I've seen his epic fits. Yeah, where he usually starts beating on the closest thing, which mm-hmm. thankfully wasn't his kid. Um, yes, he starts kicking his legs up and down, going darn, 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 <laughs> to this massive plume of smoke that comes up. Yeah, and then cut to our season two intro mm-hmm. uh, that they've changed up where <laughs> Herman comes busting through the front door at the top of this thing. Yes, I love it. I love it. Oh, it's just, it was hilarious because the original, you know, you had Yvonne DiCarlo in the dead center of, of everything and everybody would kind of play in and they they do their little piece of it's it's Herman, it's uh, this one and that one and show the different pieces. But this time right out the gate, they knew who their star was. Bam, here comes Herman through the door. Mm-hmm. Followed by Yvonne DiCarlo coming through, checking for rain and walking out. And then here comes Grandpa, shovel in hand, and misjudges the distance and the door and his shovel, and bam, bounces off that. Great slapstick humor. And then, for some reason, here comes Eddie. Now, maybe I missed, there may be another episode that alludes to this, but he comes out with this massive baseball bat. Yes. I mean, this thing is just like three times bigger than he is, and he does this kind of, uh, you know, 1950s poster boy for the uh, I'm going to hit one out the park kind of stance with the baseball bat and uh, keeps walking. And then here comes Marilyn, played by uh, Pat Priest, I think, was the second Marilyn, right? Yes, that's correct. Right. They had replaced her because the first actress uh, got homesick and she wanted to go home, but she had a contract. But Al Lewis and Fred Gwynn kind of went to bat for her and said, look, this lady's miserable. Her name was Beverly Owen. Here it is. But uh, they said, hey, this lady's miserable. Can you please let her out of her contract? So she only did 13 episodes uh, in the first season of the show. And from then on, it was Pat Priest. And I don't know about you, but I kind of preferred Beverly Owen, the first one, for some reason. I just thought she was kind of more genuine. 
Yeah, it, it, it seemed like she would, with her line delivery and things like that, like she was just being a normal girl. Right. She wasn't, she wasn't playing it up to be that I'm the odd duck. It's just she happened to be that normal girl from around the way. And Pat Priest wasn't bad, I don't think. No. But, yeah, I'd agree. I, I, I preferred uh, the original actress. So after we get through our opening, uh, it cuts around to uh, – uh, through this episode, it's just a lot of this this main theme of Herman being upset that he's kind of been ousted as Eddie's hero. Uh, the more Eddie watches this show and gets enraptured in it, he actually enters himself into this contest uh, writing in about what's – you know, why do you love Zombo and to try to win and actually be on the show. And you actually find out – Eddie looks up to Zombo because he thinks everything he's seeing on TV is real. He yep. thinks Zombo is a kind of monster like they are. Mm-hmm. So he looks up to him as his uh, his idol. So he enters the contest. Uh, you actually see Zombo get come on air and read out, uh, you know, here are the winners of the contest. And sure enough, as you would think, Eddie wins. And goes flying into the other room, yelling and screaming, <laughs> I won, 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 like most kids would if they, their hero had uh, said their name on television. And there's this nice, nice uh, fourth wall break when he says it. I would like to say it was a difficult choice, but the winner is... Eddie Monster, 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Who, <laughs> me? Yes, you, Eddie Monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like was a good Like he actually moment. heard him. So he goes flying into the other room, tells everybody I won, I won. They ask, uh, Herman asks for an explanation. He says, I won the Zombo contest. I'll get to go see my hero. He goes, man, I sure want to be Zombo when I grow up. To Again, you see uh, Herman just deflate. And mm-hmm. he just, that frown goes upside down. He goes, but I thought I was your hero, Eddie. He goes, oh, that was just when I was a kid, Dad. You know how silly kids say stuff. And uh, I got to go tell all my buddies and run stands to the front door. And I think this brings about a great characteristic of Herman and that I think they tried to bring in from like we were talking about earlier, sort of the the 50s TV shows is he he just wants his family to be together and he wants that to get togetherness. And right. that's the heartbreak of this episode is that he's just upset. He kind of acts like a child toward the end, but he, he just wants to spend time with his son. And it's part of that realizing, Hey, he's got other interests going on. And I mean, when you look at it, that's a really real thing that a lot of parents have to go through because their parent, their children have other interests. And I thought it was cool that they kind of dealt with it here. Yeah. And they, the, 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 Dealing with that nuclear family, I mean, and it's, and it's it's almost you almost feel silly discussing the monsters as being a good ideal, but they had such good writers on this. I mean, these are the guys yes. that you know we may have said before. These are the guys that did Leave It to Beaver. Mm-hmm. You know, they got that. They got that that aesthetic down. Um, something I noticed in the episode, though, I don't know if you caught this. You may have caught what Grandpa was reading at the table. Play ghoul. Play ghoul. Which yes, had this, I love it. This, this scantily clad witch on the front. Yes. But did you catch this? At part, uh, part, as the scene transitions to them sitting in there, this is before Eddie runs into the scene, I won, I won. And they're discussing, uh, Herman's bringing up, I wish, you know, Eddie would be back. You actually see a, a kind of, uh, just to the side, Grandpa kind of turns the magazine like he's showing uh, Marilyn something in it. She makes note of it like, huh, and then goes on about her business. <laughs> what was he showing her I did in not, Play Ghoul? 
It was one of the articles. That's why he reads sure, it. Sure, sure. That's exactly <laughs> why Grandpa reads it. I, I, I have no idea. Oh, that's going to be special. If we could only though. know. Maybe maybe they'll release some sort of behind the scenes thing that'll show us what it is. We'll yeah, look Pat, for the Blu-rays. If Pat Priest comes back and goes, yeah, he was just a dirty old man. Yeah. <laughs> Want to see so, something? <laughs> so uh, from there, you actually transition to him talking with his uh, – Eddie's outside on the porch talking with his buddy saying, hey, I won. It's so cool. We should start a Zombo fan club. Uh, to which Herman overhears this through looking through the little peep window to the side of the door and goes to see Grandpa and lament himself. Grandpa comes up with this great plan of, hey, why don't we just make you like Zombo? We'll go ahead and give you one of these potions and mm-hmm. it'll make you gorgeous. Uh, to which uh, Herman downs it and says this little offhand quip. And I've seen this in other things where he goes, better than that brand X. Yes. I, there was, a, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there, there was just this trope about commercials in the 1950s where they went around they talked about you don't want brand x where it's the the whatever is the opposite of their product whether it's right. gold bond medicated powder you don't want brand x though and i don't know if they did that for legal reasons or if it was just sort of a shorthand to say the other guys because i know sometimes nowadays they'll say the other guys but immediately right. what i thought of well, when he said brand x is there's a line in batman the 1989 movie where Jack Nicholson fries a guy with his hand buzzer. Or is that the scene? He Oh, there's yeah, a scene like, where he kills a guy and he goes, "He's been using Brand X." And that's what I always <laughs> think of when I hear Brand X. Nobody does night like Nicholson though. <laughs> Nobody. So a- after this Herman downs his potion yep. and does this big nice over dramatic <laughs> scene where he just wrecks an entire table full of stuff. I love it. Come comes up and he's got this slow motion almost wolfman transformation where his yeah. eyebrows fuzz out, his hair frizzes out. He gets these big fangs and just kind of nonchalantly comes over to grandpa and it's like uh, grandpa uh Grandpa, I, I'm sorry. I think I broke one of your test tubes. Herman. Herman, hmm? it worked. It worked! What worked? What worked? Just a bit. Just a bit. Take a look at yourself. Huh? Herman, you are gorgeous! <laughs> And sure enough, they wheel around a mirror. Herman yep. looks at it, blows it a kiss, and smash. There goes the mirror for the episode. Yep. So he snatches a cape from Grandpa, comes upstairs to where Eddie is hanging out with his buddies. Now, there was this part in between where they actually show all of the things Eddie won. He didn't yes. just win the ability to go on the show. He won Everything. just thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. And did you notice anything about the television? Did you no. n- notice what they said about it? No, I think like it was this... Marilyn. She said, uh-huh. and this portable television set. And I looked at it. It's actually just a large tube television of the time with a handle on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's their portable television. It's uh-huh. literally portable. I don't know that you can use it while you're 
supporting it, but uh, I thought that was a pretty, I don't know if that was a gag or that was actually a, a product back then, but it I thought it was funny. It would not surprise me. It would not surprise me a bit if that was it. Like that was their portable. And it wouldn't be surprising at all if it had little pop-out wheels in the bottom or something. Either. Yes. <laughs> so he got, he got a television, an yeah. entire ski set. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bike, and then it said a real plane that fl- a model plane that flies. Yeah, I mean, they, did they just have like two or three grand for this B-rate TV show for kids that they said mm, we can spend a couple thousand dollars on some random kid? I mean, the kids love Zombo. All his friends were excited about it, so I don't I know guess. what this guy's shtick was, but it was a money maker. Well, I mean, if if uh, Vampira would have had that kind of money, she probably would have stayed on the air longer. Yeah. <laughs> so they they come back in again. Herman's coming out of the uh, the basement. Comes up and does this big flourish with his cape and yells "boo" to where the kids look at him like, uh, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, almost like when you're if your parents were to come in and if you were a let's say Nirvana fan, if your dad came in dressed as Kurt Cobain, yeah, uh, to. <laughs> And Eddie is just mortified. His friends are trying to be nice about it, but Herman is sitting there playing it up for yucks, going, what do you think of my look? And the kids all <laughs> give him these great little answers of, uh, the, the third kid got me the best. He's like, uh, I can't, my mom always said never to really be mean or say anything <laughs> bad to other adults. Yeah. And Herman just takes it right on the cheek, right on the chest, right on the chin, mm-hmm. to which Eddie comes around after he's asked, and uh, says, Dad, why'd you have to embarrass me? Herman goes, well, I thought you liked Zombo and all. He's like, yeah, but Zombo's real. You're fake. And then he goes and gets his buddies and walks off. And it again comes back to that thing of Eddie just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that Zombo's not real. Right. So to this, Grandpa comes up, talks to, to uh, Herman. He's like, uh, how did things go? And Herman chases him back downstairs into the basement, threatening to beat the snot out of him. Mm-hmm. So, scene transitions from there to where Eddie and uh, Lily are actually heading to the set. And as they come in, the uh, producer-director walks up, introduces himself, and makes a comment of, Man, I'm glad you guys are just uh, really into it. Lily goes, what, what do you mean? He goes, Oh, you guys are wearing these far-out get-ups. And you see Lily just kind of, her hackles come up. She's like, What do you mean? And he uh, laughs it off and just kind of shuffles them along. But I have to say, the cloak that lily is wearing is fabulous did you see it i know i know it's bunched up like a curtain and it's really i don't know if it's satin or what but it's it's real shiny and it's just got all these folds and drapes and it just looks fabulous i would love to have seen that episode in color because Mm -hmm. of all the different costumes that was one of the big things in this episode which is the costuming that everybody had herman coming up in the cloak with all the different effects on his head Mm -hmm. lily coming in with that that great cape i would love to have seen that because she was wearing a lot of violet and dark purple colors so that would look awesome in color um so they come in he kind of shuffles them along after his faux pas and they introduce everybody to zombo but it's not Zombo. It's the actor that's playing him. And Eddie gives this great deadpan look when he sees him. He goes, that, that, that's not Zombo. And they explain, you know, hey, through the magic of television, uh, sit down and you'll get to see a thing here. And they go through this uh, quick, again, very much like the werewolf makeup uh, from the Wolfman. Uh, go through this portion of showing them apply the makeup to him. And he gives a little quick sight gag of being silly, sticking his tongue out. To then him fully in costume, 
grabbing his hat, grabbing his his uh, gloves, and then popping his teeth in finally and turning around, looking at Eddie and going, "It's me, Zombo." And I I gotta say, Zombo or whoever the actor is, he has excellent diction with those fake teeth in. His pronunciation is so spot on. <laughs> so I I thought at first I said they had to have done some ADR work here and overdub yeah. that. But then I really started looking at it and listening to it. They either did one of the best ADR jobs for that time that I've heard, or that guy spoke directly through those teeth because there was no part when he's using them that you hear a real difference or a drop in the audio. So I'm like, wow, this guy either had to practice with those things or they just cut that audio perfectly. I think it had to be uh, that they cut it in because, I mean, you can sort of hear his lips closing when he's speaking. And there's no way because his teeth were open and there was a little slit in the middle. I don't think there's any way he could have done that practically. Oh, no, I, I, I've actually got got some uh, a couple of Try fake it. pieces of fake teeth here. Let's see. Let's see if we can get this on audio. Yeah, gonna... get your fake <laughs> teeth in. Let's <laughs> see what you sound like. Yeah, I know. I don't sound like Jumbo. No, not you at don't. all. <laughs> I almost gagged myself. Oi. the things they do for entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> So he introduces himself in costume. Eddie looks at his mother and says, they've got to have the real Zombo tied up somewhere. This guy's weird and he's hideous. <laughs> so they, they make their way to the set and Eddie almost brushes into uh, the walls of Zombo's mansion and makes this comment of, why does everything look so cruddy? To which the one of the best lines delivered on this. Hey, what's up? Zombo's house. It's crummy. <laughs> what are those guys doing? They make the mist and the cobwebs you see on your screen. Is anything around here real? Real? This is television. <laughs> and it's this this great little zinger there that's like this this uh, callback to you're watching TV too. This is how we did everything else. All yes. of our sets look this way too. Right. It uh it kicks along a little bit further. You go back to the mansion where Grandpa and Marilyn are trying to get Herman to come downstairs, and he is fighting them tooth and nail, mm-hmm. doing his n- nice little fit. No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. And they have this great visual gag when they get to the bottom of the stairs where Herman is holding onto this pillar, and they pull and they pull, and then finally he rips the whole thing apart mm-hmm. and does this kind of shoulder check of grandpa no i got it and he saunters into the front one with the pillar in his hand yeah and he holds so, it while they watch tv <laughs> which is just he clutches it like a doll ridiculous and you see you see that same kind of sight gag carry over into a lot of other sitcoms and things later mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of different other things where you know almost that same goof happens in other sitcoms like recent ones right so i don't know if that was the originator but it was funny as i'll get out mm-hmm so they start watching the show. Zombo's on screen with Eddie. They kick up the audio. And Zombo kind of puts the question to Eddie. What do you think of Zombo? Do you want to say anything to your friends? And Eddie is the most dejected. You could just see he is just crestfallen. And you feel so sorry for him. Because it's like, it'd be like if Captain America was just unmasked and it was Gilbert Godfrey under there. Oh my so he's just he's just torn up finally he goes yeah you know what i do have something to say and he goes zombo's a fake he yanks his hat off his nose his chin piece he starts throwing things around and goes ballistic on this set and the last shot you see before they cut the the video feed is him blasting over a couch 
through a door, swinging a boom camera around and clocking Zombo in the face with it. Yeah, it was great. And Zombo is a horrible live television host because he does not deal with it well. He just yells, cut, cut, cut. <laughs> like, he can't even deal with this kid ripping off his... Ma- he can't say, oh, I was wearing a disguise today. Or, you know, he can't <laughs> ad-lib anything. He just yells, cut, cut, and starts whining. <clears throat> but then we find out that he actually wanted out of his contract, so it was great for him. Exactly. He just it cuts to this hole where he's still got the teeth in and he's trying to talk as Zombo but him and he goes wait a minute and he turns and just spits the teeth out to the ground and goes to this this quick little uh, diatribe where he's like I was made for better things <laughs> Shakespeare or my mother was mother-in-law was a car I think is what he mentioned <laughs> my mother's some, a car yeah there you go just weird <laughs> stuff and the whole time the whole time when he got his wig pulled off, I thought Zombo looked like a a sort of negative Bizarro version of Bozo because he had the <laughs> the cheek hair that was sticking out to the sides. So he looked right. like somebody had spun Bozo's head upside down and made it black and white. It was hilarious, I thought. It was a weird, weird look after And like, that. is he a magician? Is he like a satanic priest? I don't really know where he comes from. See, I thought when he when he first showed up on camera, I thought he had a top hat on and that it was an allusion to the and I know I horror fans are going to crucify me when they yeah. hear this. But it was the low Lon Chaney film that I don't think I think it was London After Midnight if I remember right. And I think that look of Zombo is like that same creature, that big toothy, white-haired, bug-eyed guy. So I right. thought he had that top hat and everything on. But then you see a little further, he's got this weird cloak with these kind of arcane angelic symbols and this weird kind of wizard's hat yeah it was so, very odd yeah the, the the fiction on that character was weird he uh so he goes into i was made for better things and he gives this nice little quip there to to eddie he looks at him again going back to the you guys are nice normal people he goes cut up to be a nice normal human being like your father <laughs> and ties everything back pretty well and they fade on that they come back to the Munster's mansion. Herman comes in, sits down with uh, Eddie, and it's like, oh, don't be so down, champ. And this is where you get that nice leave it to beaver moral lesson, the roundabout of what did we learn. And uh, Herman kind of explains to him, hey, it's good to pretend. It's great that you pretended and found. He's like, and that's that's you sh- what you should be doing as a kid, enjoying the fact that, you know, that's an actor. That's somebody on screen that you can uh, enjoy the, the, the fantasy with. And it gets Eddie, Eddie back into better spirits. And he goes to tell his buddies, you're great, Dad. Thanks. And, you know, goes to uh, you know be back with his buddies. To which Lily comes in and is talking to Herman and saying, it's too bad that uh, all those kids will be let down. To which Herman replies, kids, I'm let down. And Lily goes, did you really believe Zombo was real? Herman reaches over and grabs the cardboard cutout, kind of says, "Well, look at this guy. He's not a bad-looking fella. Kind of liked him." A nice <laughs> pregnant pause, and then they just start laughing for no reason. Yes, that was fade terrific. to black. Roll credits. I mean, if you don't know how to end your sitcom, just having your character stop for a few seconds and burst into laughter before you fade to black—I mean, that works. Uh, uncomfortable laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Little children. How about me? <laughs> you don't mean to say you believed in Zombo. Well, I must admit I was jealous of him for a while, but 
I sure think he's a super neato guy. Hey, Herman. So that, you know, overall, that episode was... One of my main reasons for picking this one, it was just straight out, it had a horror host. Um, You know, and I wanted to see what they did with it, watching the episode. On the whole, compared to other episodes of The Monsters, this one had some funny bits. But honestly, this one really wasn't 100% as strong as some of the other ones. I think, you know, they might have done a little more with what they had. But um, it really wasn't bad. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good uh, in the fact that, you know, we're doing this show that has a horror host. And I thought it was a great one to choose for that reason. But I kind of felt like you that there weren't as many gags that hit. And, uh, yeah, I, I just I enjoyed it because I've enjoyed every episode of The Monsters I've watched. But I definitely didn't have as many laughs or feel that there was as much depth as there was in that first episode we watched. Exactly. Exactly. So overall, Zombo, not a bad episode, but not one of their strongest. Right. So I think that'll actually lead us over to the episode you chose, Levi. Well, for my choice, I was reading synopsis of the episodes, and I just couldn't pass this one up. It's called Far Out Monsters. It was season one, episode 26, and aired March 18th, 1965. Did you say season one? Yes, this was season one. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I to- you I think was- that it was season two. Yeah, because... <laughs> All right, I'll let you get into it, because this one gets weird. <laughs> the synopsis of this episode is that the Munsters rent their house out to a popular band, the Standells, and they very quickly get homesick, so they go back home to find that their house is being used for a party. And at first they're appalled, but pretty quickly they become enamored and join in the fray. So we start off with... The Munster's just relaxing for dinner. Eddie comes in with a new record. We see Spot's shadow again. He puts it on the record player, and it literally blows the family back. Uh, Herman's holding some popcorn, and he's eating the kernels unpopped, and it just pops the popcorn, and smoke comes out of Grandpa's ears, and then the record player, the phonograph, just explodes in a cloud of smoke. And Why? I did not. That <laughs> floored me. I was when you when you get into the rest of the episode and them listening to the music or whatnot. I did not understand why that one record wreaked so much havoc on their house. Yeah, we'll get more into the uh, musical prowess of the Standells in a second. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've already given it away. But Eddie exclaims, "It's the Standells, and they're coming to town. I want to see them." I was looking around, going, "That record blew their house up." How did that even happen? It was the cacophony of joyous youth, I guess. (laughs) So we cut to a room and these sort of mod looking uh, musician types who turned out to be the Standells are talking to their booking manager. And they say they want a nice mansion instead of a hotel room because all the little girls yelling were annoying them. And uh, so he's like, get us something we can't wreck. So the guy says, oh, yeah, I found something on the outskirts. It's 1313 Mockingbird Lane. And they zoom in on one guy. He's eating a banana for some reason. And he says, when they find out what we're willing to pay, they'll practically fall over dead. Eat my banana. And okay, guy, good, good quip. This episode is so weird. 
I did want to mention that the opening credits is next, and they did have a slight... Did you notice a change? No. They had Herman come down first, and then Lily, and then she greeted the family. Oh. No, I didn't And it was a very slight change, and I think they did it because they had Pat Priest as Marilyn, and I don't know why they switched it around but i did notice that we go through sort of this scene with mr murdoch the booking manager for the standells and he's talking to Marilyn about renting the house and she says oh my aunt and uncle aren't home my grandpa's upstairs and he keeps bumping the price up and then we cut to the munsters talking it over at dinner time and she's sort of working the family saying hey we should do this you know it'd be good to have the money and lily says yeah, we still owe money for the vet last time dad got distemper when he went out. So alluding to his shape-shifting ways. Which was a whole episode. Yes. And we come back to the dad stupid husband joke. <laughs> nice pregnant pause while he just kind of sheepishly looked at her. <laughs> Marilyn, dear, I've thought the thing over from all angles, and I have come to a conclusion. We will accept the man's offer. That is my decision as head of the house. <laughs> That's all right with you, isn't it, pussycat? And then there's a great gag as they leave the house where Herman leaves the key under the mat. And Grandpa says, how are they going to know it's there? He brings out a giant Acme sign that says, key under here with an arrow pointing down. And as they're walking out, Lily says something about, they should get off the lawn. You know, we don't want them to screw it up. He's like, I've got something for that. And he has a giant sign that says, keep off the weeds. (laughs) There's sight gags, regardless of the quality of the episode. We're always on point. Yes. And what was also on point, we pull out and we see the 1313 and we also see the Munster coach. Yes, that was awesome. I mean, we could, you know what? Let's take a second. There's actually an early note I made. Go for it. Those cars were amazing. The uh, George Barris, who is this, the uh, not only made the Munster coach, not only made one of the other famous cars from this that people will likely know about, the Dragula. Most people have actually seen that episode with the racing. Not that we covered it here, but if you get the chance, check that out. It's pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. It's great sight gags, great use of uh, green screen. But he also made one of the other iconic cars. Levi, which car is that? That would be the Batmobile, Gil. The Batmobile. One of the coolest cars ever. Yes. They say that they actually, when they made these, this car, not just the, I don't mean the Munster coach, but the uh, Dragula, the coffin they had to get for this thing, they had to do this roundabout, leave an envelope of money and pick the car up or pick the coffin up from behind the place because no one would sell them a coffin. They'd went to like 20 different undertakers and they said, no, unless you got a dead guy, we're not doing it. Really? So they had to do this. Yeah, they had to do this back alley deal to get the coffin they used. Uh, and even then it wow. was a damaged coffin. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, it's 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 hilarious. I mean, that's just, <laughs> just the extent of things they had to go through to get it. So yeah, go from there. Yeah, they, they see the, you see this, the great monster coach. Yeah, they get in the monster coach and uh, Grandpa jumps in the back and the coach pulls off just as the, the groovy cats pull up in their convertible and go inside the house. And the Munsters, meanwhile, reach the Winston Hotel and there's a gag about uh, one of the bags being really heavy and Eddie says, oh, it's just Dad's extra shoes. <laughs> and then we cut back to the Munster Mansion with the creakiest sounding bat ever. Did you notice the sound oh, of that this was, bat? That was weird. I mean, not only, I mean, they, they've done other better visual effects with the bats and other things they used, but that sound effect was weird. Hey guys, what do you think of this coop? 
Reminds me of the converted car barn we played in San Francisco. Hey. What was that? Well, it was no swallow from Capistrano. Yeah, it was weird, and then the musicians are walking around the standells, and the guy goes over to the uh, harp and says, Look at this lopsided guitar. Hey, dig this lopsided guitar. I did not catch that. (laughs) Yeah, he called it a guitar, a lopsided guitar. So, anyway, they decide to throw a party, and back at the Winstons, the Munsters are unimpressed. They don't like it. There's not enough dust. Eddie does, can't go out and play on the ledge because he may fall and kill someone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I noticed she bu- specifically <laughs> said that. Like, Lily even says, she goes, you might fall and kill pregnant paws. Someone. Someone. <laughs> yeah, not yourself. Uh, say, uh, what's this thing? Uh, that's the air conditioner, sir. Well, turn it on. The air seems awfully fresh in here. <laughs> hey, Mom, can I go out and walk around the ledge? <laughs> oh, no, no, Eddie. You might fall off and hurt somebody. Um, there's a gag about Grandpa paying the bellboy by actually greasing his palm oh, with a big glob of grease. So gross. <laughs> and uh, everybody's griping about it, so they're thinking about going home. And we cut back to their house where there's just a stream of painfully hip hipsters and beat up beatniks that are streaming through the door of their mansion. And, that's and one of the Standells them. yells, "Hey Tony, Nick, the PTA arrived," which I assume means something like "party time authority" or some <laughs> idiotic expression. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of inner, inner cuts between when they were trying to get the party organized and everything, and then the monsters right. finally deciding to leave the hotel, which cracked me up because, I mean, it's just like, you see how much brighter and and cleaner this place is, and you just see the discomfort sitting on them before they finally decide to leave. Right. And they pull up to the house in the coach, and they can hear this music. And Lily wants Herman to go up and demand they leave. So they go up and they knock on the door and this oddly bearded guy comes to the... I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a fake beard wig. That was the weirdest beard growth I've ever seen, if that was real. And he's with this girl and she says she digs their crazy get up. And the guy says the hairdo on the tall guy reminds him of Carl Sandburg, which I had to look up. He was a contemporary Pulitzer Prize winning poet at the time. Right. Uh, he was from a Swedish family and he does have sort of uh, Hermanish hair. But we go inside and the Standells are singing a, a rousing rendition of Come On, Do the Ringo or something. Yeah, apparently that was an original for that episode that they that they wrote uh, specifically for the Standells. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was that was odd, and that it felt out of place. But then you yeah. get an actual "What Felt Good," which was their other song. Well, before we move there, I want to say one thing. They started a call and response of Yaz. Oh my god! And my favorite part of the episode is this section because they start these call outs going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Grandpa, they're all looking horrified in different ways, but Grandpa actually starts moving his jaw (laughs) when they say yeah, like with his look on his face, like, what are they doing? And I just thought that was so funny. And they they start this editing sequence where they edit on the gas from the band to the family, the band to the family. And I loved that little sequence that they edited back and forth. I thought Grandpa was actually saying yeah along with them at first, but then it was like he was popping his ears because of the air pressure. Right. So it's like, 
what is going on? <laughs> right. And then, as as you alluded to earlier, they go into their version of I Want to Hold Your Hand, which I don't know about you, but I, I thought this was sort of a an appropriately mournful version of this song. It was a very oddly sort of downbeat yeah. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it, it was... It, they... It, I thought that that was very well placed. I thought their rendition of it was good. I think them doing a cover that kind of tied into that to the to the rock and roll was right. Just perfect. They couldn't have picked a better song for that. I don't think. I agree, and I think it worked pretty well. The odd thing was Eddie, who's the big fan of theirs, just now notices it's them. He didn't notice when they were singing before. Do, do you think maybe the big standee that was on the front of the guy's bass that said the Standells <laughs> right. might have been something that pointed that out? It could have, but I don't know. Maybe Eddie can't read. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the family starts to get into it, and um, I, I don't know. Herman does this weird whistle where he sounds like a tugboat or something. They knew what they were trying to pull off with that. Like, it wasn't just a whistle. It was a foghorn. A foghorn. That's what it was. Yes. But, man, it's just like a lot of things in this episode. I just <laughs> sat back and went, what is going on? <laughs> What the, the choices they made were just weird. So next we have the hermit who takes the stage. And as he's taking the stage, Grandpa had a little line that I had to look into. This reminds me of that wild party at Meyerling just before the Grand Duke went upstairs and blew his brains out. I looked it up. I don't want to have a history lesson here, but it was kind of interesting. There was an incident in 1889 that was an apparent murder-suicide with the crown prince Rudolf of Austria and his 17-year-old bride, Baroness Mary Vetsera. And initially, they were thought to be poisoned because when his assistant or whatever went in, his mouth was bleeding. And that was something that happened with... Uh, some sort of poison sure. and they thought for a long time that he had killed her and that she died and then he killed himself something like that because apparently her body was cold when he got in there apparently last year they found letters that she had written and had been put in a safety deposit box 37 years later that said goodbye to her family and that she was intending to commit suicide out of love with him which I don't know if that's that sounds kind of fishy to me. It's like, oh no, they're committing suicide. Okay. But there's a whole long story of this. If you want to look it up, it's Meyerling. It's an interesting story. The levels on that are ridiculous. This is a Universal Studios licensed monster uh, uh, nuclear family show or sitcom yes. that references a murder suicide or suicide suicide in the most tangential sense. Just a oh this. And if you right. look it up, it has all this history. Right. What the hell is going on in this episode? <laughs> well, there, I think there are bright moments in this episode. And um, there aren't many of them. But that was one <laughs> of them that I think a couple of the jokes did hit really well. But yeah. there's a lot of the episode that was just sort of puking forth the current, you know, hip 60s. Yeah. I mean, you just look at the people. It looks like someone took every visual hip person from the 60s and put them in a room together. And it was, it's just really weird. It was a. It looked like a hipster masquerade ball is what it was. Yeah. Oh, and another sort of touch that was a little deeper cut. I don't know if you noticed when uh, Herman comes in and he, he does sort of beat poetry after this hermit guy. We didn't mention <laughs> that. The hermit guy does beat poetry. He does <laughs> beat poetry. So painful. It's but so then painful. 
the the funny thing is he he brings Lily in. I would like to present to you, group, that swinging chick from Transylvania, my wife. <laughs> Let's all hear it for Lily. <laughs> you ain't heard nothing yet. Which I don't know if you recognize that line or not. It's Mm-mm. from a very early sound movie. It might have been one of the first sound movies uttered by Al Jolson. You ain't heard nothing yet. Oh yeah, in yeah, yeah. Painfully racist blackface, but <laughs> it's it's one of the first things uttered on film, which is kind of of a cool throwback there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I never, I didn't, I didn't even catch that. I heard him say the line, but I didn't catch the, that uh, tie back. Right. But yeah, this next part. Oh man, this this to me was the <laughs> highlight of the episode. Was actually hearing stage trained actress super talent of the era yvonne sing her expletive off right at that harp that was awesome that was pretty wonderful and the tune she sang was he's gone away which was the second of three folk songs from a man named jake Heggis heggy heggy i guess and uh, it's a traditional folk song from north carolina so it's like a southern Ooh. folk song which i great. thought was sort of an interesting choice and she did a very impressive job on it we actually see like we you know as she's singing you see herman doing that thing he does when when lily does anything that adoration and i thought that mm-hmm. was cool that they keep baking that into the show that these yes. guys have such a great relationship Right. And that's, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before in the other episodes, and it's not as much in this one, but that's a perfect example of how the Munsters are a really idyllic family, and they do care about each other. Everything they do is to help each other, or, you know, they have bickering and they fight, but you can tell that they love each other underneath it, and I think... It's a powerful message. I mean, it's it, it seems goofy on the outside, but I think it's a powerful message that no matter what we look like, no matter who we are, what world we live in, we can count on our family to be there and to love us and to be a part of our world. I couldn't have said it better. That's that's one of the best synopsis of my impression off this show as well. I mean, that's that's why this was so formative. So uh, what what uh did we, we I think I mean really after she steals the show with that I mean. What else is there to this episode? I mean, yeah, they just sort of wrap up when the Stendells leave. Listen, if your act ever dies, give me a call at the parlor. So <laughs> on, we really dig you, people. And someday we'll return the favor. And that was a pretty funny Ouch. line from Al. <laughs> but yeah, there's not much else happening in this episode. They make a sort of waka waka joke at the end when Herman says that he'll sleep better knowing America's future is with boys like these, which. The joke, I guess, is that they were huge party guys back then, but by today's standards, they look, I mean, That's like clean cut. altar yeah. boys. I mean, it's not just the mod clothes, it's just their party was not, it was it, a bunch of hippies hanging out. It wasn't a bongo mo- circle. motley crew at a five-star hotel. <laughs> exactly. They should have smashed some stuff or something. Although, I don't know, maybe the Munsters would have liked that, but... <laughs> well, they didn't seem too upset when they saw the condition of the house afterward, especially the couch being with the stuffing kind of overflowing out of it. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but there was one odd thing. You know, they always have that moment where they fade to black and then they come back for one last moment and they come back to breakfast again. Then Herman says something about, it's great to be back to normal. And then Eddie crashes through the ceiling and comes down like he's on a parachute or something and lands in his chair. <laughs> to this nice little <laughs> right to the chair. 
Right. It was it was a great practical effect that it made me laugh because it was horrible. Yes. And that's fine. I mean, it was it's like, you know, pausing and then laughing awkwardly. It's a great way to end a sitcom, just him falling into the chair. But uh, I guess if you don't have anything else to say about this particular episode, we could move on to just a wrap up on what we thought of the show. Yeah, the monsters. So I, I genuinely enjoyed this show. Uh, taking the opportunity to go back, sit down and watch this something from my childhood that genuinely was funny. Um, I mean, this was formative for me. You know, part of my humor is built off this, the goofy, you know, we've said it, we said it a couple of times and I'll say it again. Herman's laugh. You know what I mean? I still hear that and I still giggle. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of points we wanted to make sure we didn't leave out from this. Uh, it really didn't fit into the, the whole going through the episodes, but just some things we found in our research here, which just makes this so much more fun. Uh, so Grandpa's Lab, you'll actually notice some of the things in it are actually uh, fairly familiar because they were from the 1931 Frankenstein film. The set designers that did that did both sets and actually brought props from the 1931 Frankenstein to this set. So that's why some of that may look familiar and ring true with a lot of horror fans. Um, speaking of Grandpa, after this, uh, Al used his fame to, of all things, open an Italian restaurant <laughs> that nice. played on Grandpa and the... the iconography for it the actual um uh adverts had grandpa's profile with the big prolonged nose and everything in that signature hairstyle um and then capitalizing on that even further for a while there grandpa the character was a horror host saturday mornings had a super scary saturday on tbs uh and i'm actually looking at one of the adverts now it said grandpa is back with all new gags and ghoulish movies today 12:05 p.m war of the gargantuas so I remember seeing that in reruns. Um, Fred Gwynn went on, went on to do a couple things, right? Yeah, Fred Gwynn was actually a talented illustrator. Uh, he was actually a Harvard grad that worked for the Harvard Lampoon. He was a cartoonist, and he eventually became the president. But also later on in his life, he designed children's books, and he wrote quite a few of those. Yeah, I looked a couple of those up. They were, it's, just, it's just heartwarming to see somebody that's just that big of a lovable guy just live up to that. For sure. And uh, fortunately, the show has been in syndication pretty much nonstop. And it's this was kind of a, a bad thing for the actors in the beginning because they felt that they couldn't get other other roles. But Fred Gwynn actually had a few uh, hits later on in life. He was in Pet Cemetery, and yeah. he's the judge in My Cousin Vinny. That's where I know him <laughs> from. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the pet cemetery part till they, uh, in part of the documentary I watched, he popped up on there. I went, that was Fred Gwynn. Right, right. I had the same reaction. And I've always remembered him from My Cousin Vinny just because he's got that huge presence and the way he talks. Yes. But, uh, fortunately, the show continues on and, uh, now you can watch it on Netflix. And I think there were a couple of movies that came out right after. Is that right? Yeah, you had Monsters Go Home, The Monsters Revenge, and I think three other films. And they actually did a reboot uh, in 2013 uh, called Mockingbird Lane that of all people, it had Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. That's perfect. 
That's awesome. And they had Jerry O'Connell as Herman Munster and Portia de Rossi as Lily Munster. I think those are pretty great. And I don't know, did you have a chance to watch anything from it? No, no. We may do a bone vault on that one. We may actually kick kick the tires on that and see how it holds up compared to this one maybe. It was pretty interesting. I could only, I I just started looking for it this afternoon, so I wasn't able to find the full episode, but my wife and I did watch the promo, and it had kind of a, uh, I don't know if you ever watched uh, the show Dead Like Me, yeah, or Pushing Daisies, those type of shows, that are kind of uh, more, they're not as broad a comedy, they're more sort of a drama comedy that has more of the heart than the slapstick. And right. it kind of had that feel and the visual effects were actually pretty cool. And there's a scene where I, I believe it's Lily Munster. She sort of appears in a swirl of bats or something. Oh, and cool. it was a really cool effect. And I'm a huge Eddie Izzard fan. So hopefully we can track down that actual episode and do an episode of the bone vault on that. That'd but awesome. uh, I, I have to ask you, would Nim like the Munsters? What would he say about them? Oh, okay. So Nim's Nim's on the Munsters. Well, if the Munsters would move their bones out of my set so that I can continue filming, I might actually enjoy the show. No, I think Nim would love the Munsters. That that set was amazing. The costumes were amazing. I think Nim, hands down, would be a fan of the Munsters. I think you would too. And I mean, who wouldn't be? I, like I said, I didn't have much experience with it before, but after watching these few episodes, I really want to go back and watch the whole series. And I think it's one of those I could just put on the background while I'm working or, you know, I could watch it over and over. And I don't think I would get tired of it. I might even buy it on DVD because it's also something I wouldn't mind my kids watching. Like I said before, I love old sitcoms and I love, you know, laugh tracks and I love sight gags. And I know some people think that's cheesy these days, but that's something I grew up with. I grew up with Nick at Night. And like we've talked about a couple of times, the heart in the show is really the most surprising aspect for me. And that juxtaposed against the, the, you know, dark nature of the show really, I think, sends a message and... I don't think that can be discounted. So I would highly recommend The Munsters. If you haven't watched it and you've listened to this whole thing, what are you doing? Don't listen to us. We're (laughs) crap. Go watch The Munsters and laugh. (laughs) And um, I guess, Gil, you want to let people in on what we're going to be tackling next week? Yeah, yeah. That's going to capstone The Munsters. I think next it's only natural that we cover their, uh, their direct competition at the time, The Addams Family. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, next episode we're going to cover uh, The Adams Family, the television show, and time permitting, unless we maybe make this a two-parter, we may go into The Adams Family movies and do a comparison. Um, yes. I'll tell you right now, just just one name. Raul Julia yes, is the man. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm so excited. So, yeah, we may have to do a separate episode for those movies because I have a lot of affection for those, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> More to come. Well, uh, from the bottom of our black hearts, thank you so much for uh, sticking around and listening to us go on about these great shows. If you want to hear more content from us, reach out to us on the web at uh, www.midnightlayershow.com. If Facebook is your preferred method of uh, torture, you can reach out to us at uh, facebook.com forward slash midnightlayershow. Uh, if Twitter is your poison, twitter.com forward slash midnight layer TV. And as always, you can search us out on YouTube. From the Bone Vault, this is Gil. And this is Levi. Good night. 
and stay scary. <laughs> Night, everybody. Thank you for listening to episode number one of From the Bone Vault, The Munsters. If you would like to reach us with your comments, please email us at fromthebonevault at gmail.com. This has been a Midnight Layer Studios production. 